What's good, sports fans? Welcome to another edition of the Sports Q&A Podcast. I'm Q. And I'm A. And we're here. It's our anniversary of Sports Q&A. Don't even remember what year it is. Just know that we started off with our bracket show back in the day. Thanks for everybody that's hung around us. You know what? We're a couple of hours away from March Madness fully being uh, within us. The playing games are almost over. But we got to go through bracket by bracket to let you know which is the strongest bracket, which is the weakest. Our Cinderella picks, who has a beef, and at the end of the day, who's going to be our Sweet 16? So we, of course... Our sports Q&A, we like oil and water sometimes when it comes to this. I will say this, at least right now, I do much better in fantasy football than I do in my brackets, even though I have won our sports Q&A. So make sure that you check out our website, our Instagram, for the link for the sports Q&A Yahoo uh, bracket challenge. The winner of the bracket challenge gets paraphernalia from their favorite sports team, even if it's the Suckeyes. With that being that, we're going to go right into, now, before we even get into brackets, well, I'm going to give Q, we're going to go back and forth, we're going to talk about the weakest and the toughest bracket. Q, in your opinion, which bracket is the toughest and why? Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and give you follow suit as what everybody else has been talking about. I got to look at the East region. When you factor in Duke, when you factor in what is essentially considered the best number two seed overall, you look at the LSU, I mean, the LSU Tigers, who despite dealing with some off-the-court uncertainty with some wiretaps, coaches lying, coaches being caught talking about, certain stuff they had business talking about. But the LSU Tigers are the SEC tournament champions. Um, you have Virginia Tech out of the ACC. That's not a. It's going to be a tough out. And then you even go as far as teams like Belmont, that a lot of people are looking at as an upset special over Maryland. They have a lot of teams. I mean, even the Tennessee in Minnesota. I've seen enough of this team to realize they're very dangerous. I just don't trust their coaching staff to have them prepared. They have enough talent on that team for them. Right there, I named at least four or five teams that you could easily say have the potential to do some damage or scare some some teams if they're the if they're the higher seed on that first and second day out of the tournament. Well, me, I'm going to the Midwest, and the Midwest to me is loaded uh, with UNC, Kansas. Even though they're up and down team, Bill Self is going to have them prepared to play the best, even though they've lost some players. You have Iowa State, who have had some big wins this season. Houston, who is a lot of uh, people sleeper to get to the Final Four. UK, and then I'm going to throw in Seton Hall, because Seton Hall beat UK earlier in the season. So the thing is, is you have a lot of teams that have a lot of... And then Auburn. Auburn is a little sleeper in that, at a 5C, being the the SEC uh, tournament champion. I think the Midwest, you have the same thing that you're saying. Uh, about the East. The only thing about the East, I just think the LSU is going to end up being a uh, a garbage fire when things get tough with them just going through it. Yeah, they may get through the first weekend, but I think they're going to look 
uh, pretty bad uh, come, you know, when they make their departure from it. So I'm going to go in and talk about what I feel is the weakest. And I feel the South is the weakest. Uh, UVA, everybody says UVA, you know, hey, they should have been the number one seed. They took the early bow out in the ACC tournament. Uh, you have a Wisconsin team at number five that has been a, a roller coaster of a team. Uh, Cincinnati, UT does add to the strength of this. UT, in my opinion, could have been the number one in this uh, in this uh, bracket. Um, but nobody really stands out. I mean, you have a lot of teams that can. Oregon's in there after being a surprise winner of the, of the uh, Pac-12 uh, uh, tournament. Uh, then you have Kansas State. So, again, still up and down with that, even though Kansas State is a strong squad. And then you have Sleeper, the defending champs that really have flown under the radar but have got themselves into a position where they could, at the sixth spot, come out of this region. So I think the South is is the weakest for me. Interesting. I guess the fact that I will look at that as being one of the stronger ones considering all the teams that you mentioned – and you did not mention Purdue. You did not really talk about Cincinnati. So it's, it's, I would say that wouldn't, I guess in my eyes, that wouldn't constitute being a weak. It's not the strongest, but I definitely wouldn't consider the South the weakest. Uh, I'm going to have to really look at, um, it's, it's, it's tough, but I got to go with with the West. When you look at, Gonzaga and Michigan, out of the two combinations, of the, when you combine the, the number one and number two seeds of every other region, those are the two weakest number one and number two seeds. Um, Gonzaga is struggling. They lost in their the conference tournament championship to St. Mary's. Michigan lost in heartbreaking fashion once again for the third time this season in Michigan State. And both teams present uncertainty when it comes to just can they rise to the occasion. Um, we've all seen, yeah, Gonzaga make to the uh, Final Four a couple of years ago, but we've known Gonzaga to be a team that has always been overhyped and rarely produces. They had one big win, despite winning 30 games, their biggest win came out of, out of conference against Duke. But who else did they beat? And whereas with Michigan, you look at that team, <laughs> when they're not hitting their shots, they're scary bad. I mean, Buffalo is the darling, but at, depending on how what team comes out of this uh, 11 uh, pregame matchup tournament between uh, St. John's and Arizona State, for all the love wishing on Buffalo, Arizona State, if they hold true, to come out and pop them. Because we know every year since they've started this, a winner of a playing game has gone on to the next round, or at least the, the round of 32. So that's not a guarantee for them. Florida State, uh, they have the length, they have the, the depth, but they go in the spells where they're un- – I just don't like Florida State. And then you have Syracuse that suspended one of their best players recently. Um, Marquette is high. Marquette, the best matchup. And we'll probably get to that a little bit later. Is the five twelve game, and we don't know how that's going to go because we have two of the high scoring uh, players in the nation in that game, and it's just everybody else is is too close 
And it's nothing that stands out to say, oh, this team is definitely going to be better than this team. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's plausible, bless you. It's plausible uh, in there. Again, you, you, we're basing it on where it is, but we, we both know is how teams show up in the tournament. Some teams are going to limp through and make it to the the, the uh, round of 32, and some are going to scorch. Uh, it just really depends on how these teams come together. Um, so with no further ado, we, we're going to go actually go through because uh, we got a, a question to answer. What's beef? We, I think we agree on which team has the biggest beef of where they were seeded, a place within seeding. Uh, and you let me know if you're wrong, but I feel it's Michigan State. What about you? Um, I can see their beef, and I think they have the loudest one. Because if you're the number, the best number two seed, and, and they, I saw that, I heard the interview with the committee chair, and they talked about how well they looked at Michigan State. Because they're the number two seed over, I mean, they're the best number two seed. Why are they in the number one overall seed region? You should have been put. You should have put them in the worst number one seed region. But they tried to justify it by saying, "Oh, we want to keep them for traveling purposes." Whatever. People travel. Michigan State fans travel, so that wasn't the issue. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it just doesn't align up naturally of where they go. And who plays who, but I think that's, in my opinion, I think that's the beauty of the tournament, um, where they have it that is not a clear set that hey the the number one one seed the number the worst number two seed goes there. It says the committee can determine based on whatever factors they are outside of these number one seed, you know, the ranking of the number one seeds, the other seedings are just, uh, you know, basically have no bearing. On the end result. So, and with that, yeah, you know, Michigan State may feel, uh, some fans may feel Michigan State got the the, the the short end of the stick and got to have the biggest beef, but it may end up helping them at the end, uh, preparing them to, you know, for a potential Final Four run. I just think that, you know, I think, number one, that the Big Ten tournament had no bearing on where they are. Now, the, the, the chairman did say that that Michigan State did leapfrog Kentucky. So you're telling me they would have had Duke as the number one and Kentucky as number two in there? And where would they have put, where would they have put Michigan State? Would they have put them in, in, in the West and then moved Michigan to, to the... Uh, or to they the, just put them in the Midwest. With UNC? They just moved them to Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. I would have, in my opinion... Even the, the ranking, I would have put Michigan over in the Midwest to set up a potential rematch with UNC. They smoked earlier in the season. Uh, but um, and then had Michigan State, uh, Michigan State and within the West um, or a and or maybe. Yeah, because it wouldn't UT would definitely have been in the South. So. You know, and it's just interesting. Michigan really you is um, always in the West uh, nine times out of ten. But I just think that I think Michigan State would not have been as upset uh, 
if they ended up as the number two seed in the Midwest or the West. Right. Um, but I just think that that's, you know, that's just how the chips fall. And, and I mean, I guess in this case, you just have to show your worth and your value on the court. It doesn't matter where you're facing. If you're, what team is going to be scared to face another team? You just got to play them to get it. Right. <laughs> so, before we get into our breaking down of our brackets and revealing our Sweet 16, we need to go through each bracket and we could talk about our most compelling our most compelling matchup, as well as our Cinderella in that bracket. And we're going to start in the dirty, dirty, in the South bracket. And I'll go first, just because I am. So mine is, compa- I feel, is most compelling. Um, and it's the typical matchup that leads to the most uh, upsets, that, that 12-5. And the five-seed is Wisconsin. The 12 seed is Oregon. Again, Oregon, a surprise winner of the Pac-12 tournament. Wisconsin, again, I mentioned them earlier, a roller coaster of a type of season. Lack of cons- uh, consistency. Uh, Oregon is trending upwards in this, and I just think that this game is going to be a matchup down the wire because, again, the style of play that, that Wisconsin wants to play, the up and down that, that Oregon wants to play, it's going to be a battle of wheels. Again, this is a down year for Wisconsin for all intents and purposes. Uh, but I think in the, uh, in the South, this is the most compelling. And then my Cinderella in the South is Cincinnati. And mind you, when you look at my bracket, uh, you may be surprised. But just looking at Cincinnati and how they played and the momentum from playing uh, arguably uh, – one of the toughest conference championship games playing against Houston and, and defeating Houston, I think that may propel them for a nice run. And, and just I want to define my Cinderella status or what I mean is teams that are ranked uh, lower than top four that uh, get will get at least to the Sweet 16 to have a run. So I think out of all of this, I think uh, Cincinnati is my Cinderella uh, in this. I don't see anybody above a seven making a major run. In this part. Okay. Um, and I'm going to stick with that Cincinnati game versus Iowa as my most compelling. Um, Iowa has the, the firepower, but if it goes the way they're supposed to. I mean, in the Big Ten tournament loss to Michigan, I think they hit one three-pointer. And that was late in the second half. Mm-hmm. But if that team is hitting three-pointers, we'll go hand it. Some of those other guys, that's a dangerous team. <laughs> yes, Cincinnati won the conference. Yes, they won on the deciding factor. Uh, but maybe this is one of those things where the time off kind of kills the momentum. So I'm thinking Iowa is prime for an upset. Now, my Cinderella, five feet or higher. I'm going with the, and it's, it's funny to say this. I'm going with the reigning national champion, Villanova. <laughs> Everybody saw the blowout loss to Michigan, the loss to, uh, who was it, Furman at the beginning of the season, and kind of wrote them off. But the fact that they were able to bounce back 
win the uh, Big East Tournament Championship. They finally found who they are and their identity as a team. And I just trust them a lot more than I do Purdue, who has the firepower and some great guards, but they're too inconsistent. So I'm going to go with Villanova as a team that can easily make it to 16 or further. Okay. <coughs> Bless you. We're going down to the Midwest and let us know your thoughts on that. Cinderella, my bad. My Cinderella? This one is hard to pick a Cinderella because I really don't see too many high seeds getting that far based on not just the first round matchup, but that second round matchup. Um, this is the year everybody wants to, I mean, Wofford ended up being ranked towards the end of the, uh, end of the year, but how many people really have them beating uh, a hot Kentucky team? So, I mean, if I have to pick a team, I'll go with Walker, but I think that their reign is going to end after their first night. Okay. Well, we agree with the compelling matchup between Iowa State and Ohio State. Uh, again, I live with a Buckeye, and they didn't even expect to be in the tournament. Uh, that win over Indiana seemed to be what pushed them over. That game seemed to be like a the equivalent of a playing game in the Big Ten tournament. Um, right, but I just think Ohio State is playing at their potential, and I say this, I've said this multiple times, they are wasting Wessons, the big fella Wessons, uh, potential on this team by misusing him and not feel, having the offense work through him. Um, if they can find a way to exploit uh, that mismatch. They could go a long way. They're they're a little bit different than the Ohio State teams are old when they relied on that three so much. And unfortunately, especially when they were rated super high, uh, they failed to launch those threes and it made early bow. So it I I'm gonna be interested to see how they are going to play, uh, given the gift that they got early for Christmas, making it in the tournament. To me, uh my Cinderella. And again, I haven't gone to the second, uh, potentially going to the second weekend. Uh, is Seton Hall, and I only had Seton Hall there just because they play and beaten UK again. Uh, usually, when those happen, when there's upset, it, that second game is a, a lot different. But I think if they can get a win over a solid uh, a Walford team going into that UK team uh, the matchup. They at least have a game plan that has shown to be successful to beat that team. Now, if they're able to execute it, it's something altogether different. Now, the other right. reason that, that that is in there is because P.J. Washington is in the walking boot, and it's rumored that he may not be playing in the first uh, weekend. So, oh, yeah, okay. so, I mean, that's that's something. 
Yeah, so that's a so all the people in these brackets, uh, you might want to pay attention to that. But that's another reason why uh, that that may be an upset as well. I haven't changed my bracket based upon that, but I heard that earlier uh, this afternoon that he may not play this whole first weekend, and he is the the uh, spoon that stirs the pot uh, in uh, Lexington. So let's go on to the East. Uh, in the East, to me, the most compelling matchup is the 7-10 matchup between Louisville and Minnesota. Uh, Louisville has been a team that has known the battle you all right over there? Yeah. Uh, known to battle with the, with the with the Giants and just find ways to come up short. Uh, it happened multiple times uh, in the conference, and I think that battle testedness for them could be the key to to have them come over. Uh, Minnesota, I think they had the talent to even potentially make a run to the Sweet Sixteen, but um, I think it may be an issue with their coaching because that's what affected them in the Michigan game where they looked pathetic uh, and they were playing hard, but they were just down and it was just a lack of adjustments that were that was puzzling. So uh, I'm interested just to really see that matchup. And my Cinderella, and I just have them up here. I, I just did another 12-5 special. I'm putting Liberty up there. Only Liberty up. The only reason I'm putting Liberty up there, Liberty switched conferences. They won. Uh, they switched conferences. One and they uh, won the conference tournament in the, the first year of the new conference, and they're in there. They play against Mississippi State, which the team has been, uh, in my opinion, overranked a lot of the season. Uh, they may catch them sleeping, because. You know, it happens from time to time. But, again, there's no clear-cut, in my opinion, Cinderella in, uh, in the East region. Um, most compelling. Huh. I'm going to say that VCU, UCF. Mm-hmm. Um, a not C. <coughs> so that means they're kind of close in talent and skills. VCU still has some of that up tempo, healthy skeleton defense that they had on excuse me, under Shaka Smart. UCF being led by former Michigan transfer uh, and a seven six big man Taco Fall. I think they have enough firepower to kind of make this game a good one. It's unfortunate that they have to play the winner of that game has to play Duke. Because I think if they were playing any other number, well, if they were playing Virginia or even Gonzaga, I could see the winner of this game beating them. Mm-hmm. But facing Duke, it's, it's lights out. As far as uh, Cinderella, hmm. it, it's hard to find one. I'm, even though I, did, I'm, I doubt I'll pick this game, the closest one I can see is Maybe Belmont. Um, Maryland has the talent. Well, kind of like what you said with uh, Minnesota. It's just something that always seems to be missing from that team. And it maybe it's usually that, that, that coach decision or that ability to make that they key timeout or call that key defensive play or offensive set. 
to get that team out of a rut. They have inside game, outside game, um, but it's just sometimes they don't get it done. And Belmont has had that hype. has come in and you have a couple of people as far as the experts hyping them up. So I think that would be the only team I can see, but I still don't see them getting past Maryland in the first time. Okay. I mean, that's definitely fair. You want to head westward? West we go. Um, the most compelling matchup. I would have to say, if things hold true, Buffalo versus Arizona State. Because um, this is the closest matchup I can say of the the opening round. I, don't, I still don't know how they, what they call it now. But that first round of playing four games, whatever they say, that's the only team I can see having the ability to make it to the next round. So then Buffalo is another one of those teams that ran through the uh, MAG tournament, have some quality non-conference wins, but and then they beat Arizona last year in the first round. Maybe they're getting a little too high off the hall. And they're 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 seeing their press clippings and they think, okay, we've been here before, so we could just show up and do it. <laughs> Arizona is ready because they Arizona State will be ready because they've had the game under their belt. So that could be the that upset. Um the Cinderella. I'm gonna go with Murray State and John Moore, the, the potential top three pick score point guard. Um, Marquette has some skills, but I think every year we see a point guard carry this team to the title, and that could be the guy in the obligatory 5-12 upset. Well, for me in the West, I think the most compelling first round is uh, Nevada versus Florida. Um, And when you look at, at these two teams, uh, Florida is two and three in their last uh, in their last uh, five. Nevada is is two and three, so not too much more. Uh, neither one of them were uh, conference champion, uh, uh, conference tournament champions. Uh, so it's really going to come down to who can import their will, and Florida is going to have to to stop. Uh, brother Martin and make sure that, that he doesn't get close to his almost 20-point uh, average. And Nevada is going to have to keep Florida off the boards. I mean, it's a really close uh, two-and-a-half-point spread on this. Um, and I just think that it's going to be a back-and-forth game uh, of two teams that could jump into. I mean, you're looking at this. This is a 7-10 game. Nevada has 29 wins. Florida has 19. And the SEC conference that is really not necessarily the strong, uh, nowhere near the strongest conference in, in college basketball. So Florida has been uh, playing better, but they have to uh, turn this corner to be able to stop Nevada uh, in this game. To me, and the Cinderella in this, if you if when I say the name, most people will say it, there's no way that this is a Cinderella. It is none other than Syracuse. Uh, when it gets to the tournament, 
it's something about that 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 super disciplined two three that does things to teams. Everybody wants to over, try to uh, overshoot it. They want to put it up. They don't want to work to get the ball in the middle and make that extra pass. And Jim Beheim gives teams the flux. Now again, of course, Syracuse is surrounded by controversy. Uh, Beheim and the and the, uh, the hit, not the hit and run, but the end up uh, killing of a of a pedestrian in the freeway to just the way that they played. But again, they have some big wins. I mean, I think for the last five years, Syracuse has played the same way: up and down, up and down, big wins, some bad losses. And barely getting into the tournament. And barely getting into the tournament. And then they turn it on and they're kind of a tournament team. And they tend to give teams that have good offensive firepower the flux when it comes to that 2 3. Because you may have seen it, but if everybody, most people that run 2 3, there's always one or two holes in it consistently. Syracuse, again, is the most disciplined and they're long too. So I want to see. Uh, this matchup for them. So that right there is our breakdown of our toughest brackets, weakest brackets, our most compelling uh, matchups, as well as our Cinderella picks. So we will be right back with you to break down each bracket and give you our Sweet 16. You've been listening to the Sports Q&A Podcast. Welcome back to the Sports Q&A Podcast. You heard what we had to say about the brackets, but I think what's most important is that you hear what our picks are. And I have no doubt that Q and I are going to differ on a lot, uh, but we'll see how we end up doing it. Make sure that you go to our Instagram page to find out the link for the Sports Q&A Yahoo Bracket Challenge. The winner of the challenge. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We've been doing Yahoo for so long. My bad. ESPN bracket challenge. Uh, the winner gets a T-shirt from their favorite sports team. It doesn't have to be the team that you pick to win, but favorite sports team. Uh, and again, do your best to try to beat us because we hold our own. I'm gonna say that. So with that, we're gonna go right into the South bracket and give you our breakdown of our teams. And who we think we have. So I'm going to go off first. I'm going to start from the top. So I'm going to go all the way through and give you my my uh, first and second round uh, victories. And give you this highlight on maybe one or two. So let's start at the top. Virginia versus Gardner-Webb. We will not have a repeat in history. Virginia is going to be motivated, <laughs> at least in this game for sure. Uh, Virginia is going to win that game. The next one. Uh, Ole Miss and Oklahoma. Uh, I have Oklahoma in that game. The next matchup, Oregon against Wisconsin. I just don't trust Wisconsin at this point in time. I'm giving Oregon a nod in that. Kansas State versus UC Irvine. Kansas State. Villanova versus St. Mary's. Surprising St. Mary's had just coming off a win against Gonzaga. Uh, I still have the, the defending champs winning that. And then uh, Purdue versus Old Dominion. Purdue winning that. Uh, Cincinnati and Iowa, even though I picked Cincinnati as my as my Cinderella, I have Iowa winning that game with a slight upset. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, 
Tennessee versus uh, Colgate. Tennessee winning that. So I'm at my matchups for uh, my sweets. Uh, the next round, UVA versus o, uh, uh, Oklahoma. UVA winning that game. Uh, Oregon versus Kansas State. Kansas State with that victory. Uh, Villanova versus Purdue. I have Purdue against that. I know Villanova has a lot of experience. Well, Purdue, when they get going, uh, are a tough out. I want to say I'm very happy that Michigan played Purdue early on in the season because uh, Purdue rebound from that horrific start to be a cold Big Ten champ. Uh, next matchup, Iowa versus UT. I got UT winning that game, which sets up my Sweet 16 on that side of the South Bracket, UVA versus Kansas State, and Purdue versus Tennessee. Okay. Interesting. Um, UVA versus uh, UVA, Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Oregon being out without their big man, ball ball, is going to be a difference maker. Um, Kansas State, Villanova, Purdue, Cincinnati, Tennessee. <coughs> so that bracket goes chalk. Well, minus Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. UVA versus Oklahoma. Um, UVA still. Uh, Wisconsin versus Kansas State, I think. And this is with a lot of teams in the Big Ten. Because they play that that rough and rugged play within conference, when they get out of conference, especially at this time of the season, it's like a breath of fresh air for them because it's like, oh, we don't have to worry about one the opponents playing as hard, and then two, the referees calling a tighter, calling the game a little bit differently, um, whether it's calling it real tight or calling it real loose and allowing the guys to play. So the, there's going to be some whistles that they normally don't get that they're going to get in this tournament, which is going to open some things up. That's going to cause foul trouble for the opponent, for the opponents, and it's going to put them in a better situation. Um, so I have. Wisconsin beating Kansas State. Uh, and even though I just said that about the Big Ten, I just think this Villanova versus Purdue matchup, um, Purdue is just so up and down. I don't trust them. Yes, they they play better at, like towards the end of the regular season, but those two losses against Minnesota cost them. Mm-hmm. The first loss cost them a... a, a Undisputed championship for the Big Ten, and then they called they lost them in the, uh, the Big Ten tournament. Though that's a lack of the, just the focus in those type of games really has me selling the stock of the Boilermakers right now, and it's going to end when they lose to Villanova. And then you have Cincinnati versus Tennessee. I think the Volunteers have too much firepower, and I have them going to the next round. So my three sixteen is Virginia, Wisconsin, Villanova, and Tennessee. All right. You can go right ahead to the Midwest now. Uh, Midwest, North Carolina, uh, Washington, Auburn. And this is where it's going to be the first upset that I have. I have Northeastern beating Kentucky. I mean, Kansas, Kansas. I'm sorry. <laughs> then um, Ohio State over Iowa State, Houston, Wofford, and U.K. In the second round, I have 
uh, UNC over Washington. Uh, um, I'm gonna continue this. This is gonna be my Cinderella for this for this year. Northeastern over Auburn. Uh, Houston over Ohio State and UK over Wofford. And that leaves your Sweet 16 teams as who? Uh, North Carolina, Northeastern, Houston, and Kentucky. Okay. So I have in the Midwest, first round, UNC, Washington, Auburn, and I had Kansas winning that. Uh, I have Ohio, I mean, Iowa State being Ohio State, Houston, uh, Seton Hall, and UK. Uh, in the next matchups, UNC over Washington, Auburn, I mean, uh, Kansas over Auburn, Iowa State with the upset over Houston, uh, and UK in a close one over Seton Hall. So that my final four from that region, UNC, in Kansas and Iowa State and UK. So moving to the East, we have uh, Duke, uh, who was playing North Dakota, uh, VCU over UCF, Liberty, my upset special, over Mississippi State, another upset, uh, St. Louis over Virginia Tech, uh, Maryland over... Who are they playing? They playing Bellarmine or Temple? Belmont. 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 Because I fell asleep at that game last night. They played Belmont. Yeah. Uh, and LSU over Yale. Minnesota, an upset over uh, Louisville. And Michigan State over Bradley. Uh, Duke over VCU. Liberty beating St. Louis in the uh, battle of the semi- Cinderella's. Uh, Maryland versus LSU. LSU with the win. And Minnesota uh, versus Michigan State. Michigan State with the win. So that gives my final four. And that one is Duke, Liberty, LSU, and MSU, which people will be livid if that happens with Duke getting the what people consider as a cakewalk into the Elite Eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I have Duke over North Dakota State, UCF over DCU. <clears throat> Liberty over Mississippi State, Virginia Tech over St. Louis, Maryland over Belmont, LSU over Yale, uh, Louisville over Minnesota, and Michigan State over Bradley. In the second round, I have Duke over UCF, um, Virginia Tech, uh, LSU, and the Michigan State. With the final four of that bracket being Duke, Virginia Tech, LSU, and Michigan State. Oh, that's a chalk one, huh? Yeah. Going down to the West, I have Gonzaga over Fairleigh Dickinson. Syracuse over Baylor. Um, this one is tough. I'm going to go with the one-man band, Mark, Murray State over Marquette. Florida State over who is this? I don't even know what school this is. Uh, oh, that's Vermont. Vermont. Okay. 
Vermont, uh, Buffalo, Buffalo over Arizona State, because I have them winning tonight. Texas Tech over Northern Kentucky. Nevada over Florida, and Michigan over Montana. In the second round, uh, Gonzaga over Syracuse. Um, Florida State over Murray State. Um, who did I have? I picked Buffalo. In that first yeah, round. you did. Then Buffalo over Texas Tech. And then Michigan over Nevada. So I had a Final Four in Gonzaga. Uh, Florida State, Buffalo, and Michigan. Okay. Well, not too far off that one with this one. Uh, so I have the Zags, uh, Syracuse, uh, Marquette, Florida State, Buffalo, Texas Tech, Nevada, and U of M. Uh, the next round I have the Zags over Syracuse. Uh, Florida State over Marquette, Texas Tech over Buffalo, and Michigan over Nevada. So my Sweet Sixteen, I mean, my, my from that bracket from the West, the reps are Gonzaga, Florida State, uh, Texas Tech, and U of M. Um, so you know, with these, of course, it's going to be upsets. It's going to be surprises. Don't expect a one sixteen. Uh, at least not this year, I don't think. But this bracket, especially last year. Well, I know. I'm just saying. But now people will always be expecting it now. Um, yeah. But I think, I, in in looking at these brackets, um, I think the committee did a a good job with balancing out uh, the conferences uh, and balancing out these matchups. Um, you do have some potential second round matchups between conference foes with uh potential Duke and uh Duke and uh Virginia. Well, no, that's that's not second round, but uh Michigan State and Minnesota, and I think mm-hmm. there's another one from uh uh I can't remember what it was, but I think they did a really good job of balancing out the 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 talent even though you may not agree where your team is going or the bracket that they're in, but if you look at the overall uh, strength and balance of the brackets, I mean, even when I picked my weakest bracket, it wasn't, you know, an easy pick. I had to, right. you know, split hairs to try to find the weakest one. So I think the first time in a long time, I think it's a lot of balance. But I think the cream will rise to the top. You know, I think it may be two max teams outside of the top five that make it to the Sweet 16. Uh, but again, oh, that was an ugly shot. Uh, again, it, it may change. But but these brackets, uh, I mean, this is the time of year. Uh, I wish I was off this week so I could watch it. I hate the fact Michigan plays so late tomorrow because I may not be able to stay up and watch the whole game. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is the time, you know, this is what it's about. And with uh, these these aspects and these matchups, it this is where coaching pays off. This is why coaches do get the big bucks because in these uh, high pressure situations, you need a coach that's going to be able to motivate their players to see through and get through these tough situations. And you can't right. always rely on talent, and that's the one thing people don't understand. If if Duke gets upset, 
is going and people are going to say it's the biggest upset ever in life. I'm going to say this: Duke is the, probably the most talented team, but they're not the best team because they they have so much youth. Now this youth can come together and make a nice six game run about it. They can, but I don't think they're right. the best team that's ever been uh, compiled. And uh, what was I listening to? I was somebody was talking about. Oh, they were. Oh, here's a question that I'll pose. I'll pose it on our sports <laughs> on that, uh, uh Instagram uh, feed that somebody said it. I want to say it was Gottlieb uh, said it earlier today that Zion has gotten people rooting for Duke who had never rooted for Duke before because of the talent that he is. Would you agree with that statement or no? No, I would I would say the opposite. He's got more people to hate Duke because of how good he is. And folks that never cared or really cared about Duke have kind of tired of this whole Zion being the golden child, Zion being bigger than LeBron, Zion being the best player to come out of college since whoever else they gave names. And I think it just adds to the as fuel to the fire as why certain fans or certain people hate Duke. I mean, I don't know anybody that wasn't a Duke fan that automatically said, oh, okay, I can, because they know this guy is going to only be there for a year. Now, if he was, this was the old days where he was there for two or three years, it may be. But this is a pit stop. This isn't long enough to establish fandom. And maybe this, maybe they were talking from the perspective of how the NBA is driven by, excuse me, excuse me, where the NBA is driven by fan, ad, I mean, by player adoration and not team adoration. But Duke fans weren't, the bandwagon wasn't getting heavier for Duke because of Zion. Yeah, it's just the, the thought process. And, and I, I understand it now with sports being more global than it was regionalized when we grew up where, you know, it would make absolutely, if we said we were a fan of UCLA, we would be viewed as bandwagon fans for whatever reason, because that's not a fan. You know, we're not in that fan base or in that area, but now with access to all the teams pretty much all the time, it, it makes sense why people become fans of players because at the end right. of the day, there's no worse feeling as a fan of being a fan of a team that is bad. You know what I'm saying? So if I could just be a fan of a player, he could still be on a horrible team, but I'm rooting for him. So he gets right. a triple-double, I'm good. The team lost, but I'm good. So that's how, how right now – True LeBron fans can just be as solid. It's like, hey, well, LeBron's the best thing in LA. The rest of the thing is the dumpster fire. Uh, but uh, you know, that's it is what it is. So I think I think with that mindset that it makes more sense that he brings people in because they do it all the time. It, it is bandwagon jumping. People can call it whatever they want to, but it is bandwagon jumping, uh, based on being just a fan of just winners. And I just think that's a society thing, societal piece. I just only want to be fans of winners and not teams that work their way to be winners 
or some at some point never get there to that point. Right. At least to that point, nobody wants to struggle through anything anymore. I, my, even in my fandom, I only want to be a fan of a winner, just like all the Golden State fans. How many of you know Chris Mullen and, and Mitch Richmond, who coached for St. John's, used to play for them? You know what I'm saying? Right. Majority of them don't. So, I mean, I understand it to an extent. I don't necessarily agree that it's uh, drones of people that are droves of people that are just coming in and 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 putting on uh, Dookie uh, a paraphernalia. But he has brought a level of cachet to the game. But I'd also think that in a lot of instances they are uh, just like they're overestimating over just blowing up what his potential could be. Because at the end of the day, he's still 18. And yes, he's dominating now. But we have seen this before and not seen it play out. Not rushing that on him. But yeah, he has the potential to do that. But he is like the the first person that I've seen in the last, I would say, 10 years coming out of college that they tried to make him be the next person. Like yeah. Harold Miner, they tried to make him be the next Jordan before he even went into college. I mean, into the NBA. It's the same thing. He's the he's the next LeBron. He's be, he could be as good as LeBron, because you never had a talent that really would do this. That had that you know was positionless and could play multiple positions and was a freak of nature. Even the Greek freak, you know, it took three four years for him to be able to take his role as most people feel the heir apparent to LeBron. So uh, yeah, when I heard that, I was like. I don't know how I feel about that uh, because I think Duke is a team that you love to hate. So if they give you another reason to hate, then hate them more. You know, hate, 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 hate. I hate you and everything you stand for. Player haters club. It just it it is what it is. So what is the one thing that you're looking for forward to in this tournament? Um, point blank, the upsets. I think this is what that's what makes the tournament the tournament. Yeah, we have all these ideas of our picks and selections, but being able to watch that that four seed, that five seed, that six seed, sweat it out. And oh, they here we have a close game. We have a this seed, this lowly uh. Mid-major has started to show out. This team has played well above his head. Those type of moments. I mean, we saw enough of it last year with Loyola of Chicago. We saw the Buffalo game. We saw the UNBC beating Virginia. So we've had our shares, and I think, like, long as my team is still in it, I want them, I want them to win. But, like, everybody else, blow up the bracket. And that's what makes it fun. Like going chalk or having all number one seeds, that's boring. I mean, I guess for ratings it might be good, but as far as the overall excitement of the tournament, no, we want some we want a, a six seed to make the final four. We want a a, a three seed to make it. Because that means somebody that was expected that had the hype did not live up to expectations. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is rooting against my bracket. 
Dude, it the adrenaline rush that I get when it's an upset special, when you get the update or you're watching the app and it shows, hey, this team is tuning in to this. Dude, if you know, I mean, I already know I may have 10 teams after the first weekend. Maybe. But at the end of the day, it's like I say, it's the same thing, but I just really because the upsets, like you said, those are that's what gets you excited. And you start rooting against your own interest. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm in a paid uh, bracket or two. Um, but I'll still root against it. Now, I'm not. I won't root against it if it's going to demoralize my bracket. But if it's something that I know that I don't have, this, I don't have this team going past the first weekend. Yeah, this win right here actually may help me. Okay, I'm good. But um, it's just. Um, just that whole aspect, I think, and then I think it's the one shining moments. So, I mean, the game, the playing game before this, UNC Charlotte, uh, I mean, UNC uh, Central, they this is their third year in the playing game, and this year was the closest that they got to being in the playing game. I think they lost by four, uh, and it was a good game. They were down by 13 in the second half, and they came back. I'm rooting for them, not just because they're a black college, but I'm rooting for them. Uh, just in general, because they're underdogs. So, you know, that was, you know, that's what it, I live for. Living for the buzzer beaters. Um, so Now, speaking of the playing game, mm-hmm. do you think it's fair that a team that wins this conference tournament and gets the automatic bid has to play in that game compared to a team that barely was one of the final four in, barely made the tournament? No. So I think that the playing game should be between the eight final teams in. There should be no teams that are uh, conference tournament winners in there. There should be all at-large bids. And they should be, if, if the last eight teams in are not viewed as 16 teams, because it can be you win your conference tournament and you still are a 16 seed. That's, that is what it is. But this unbalance of it being 13, I mean, 11 seed and 16 seed, it makes no sense. Yeah, you're probably going to get better teams, but it's not too many teams and fan bases unless they are close to Dayton traveling for the play-in game. Like, I'd really love to see how many Arizona State fans came to Dayton for that game. St. John, a little bit, right. you can hop on the freeway, on, on, on the highway and make it there, but I really don't uh, see the draw of the games being the pool. It's the actual the kickoff to the tournament. Now, the thing is, I think maybe the NCAA may think that it's a fear that the games are going to be so bad that people are going to want them to end the playing games. But at the end of the day, when you have two teams battling for this, because to me, it's an unfair advantage for this 11 seed to have to play an extra game. It could be a, it could be a negative uh Advantage or positive advantage, but I think it's an unfair advantage of them 11 seed having to play a playing game. Let it be all 16s and stop being afraid of letting these power five, power six conferences uh, be a 16 seed. If they deserve to be a 16 seed, they do. Like, I think it was last year, the year before, when uh, Syracuse was playing for the 11 playing. They should have been 16. They barely got in. It was one of the last four teams in. Make them play right. 16. Make them earn their keep. What they don't want is to put a Syracuse in there as at 16 and then they fool around and upset 16. 
I mean, I won, but guess what? That's already happened. So that's over. You, you, but it's not about rewarding. Like, oh, wait, because they're in this conference, they can't be a 16 seed. Wrong, wrong, wrong. If they deserve it, put them where they deserve. Because you'll see a lot of teams, they'll show what they what they what what they're made out of. And you'll find a whole lot of teams that at the end of the day end up being overranked because of their conference. And and I think the tournament suffers because of that. But I really think that they should rethink that. Maybe make all make them all 15s and then make those conference champions, maybe that are in those lower ones, be the 16s and then they play for 15s. I don't know. There has to be another way. Uh, I, I'm out of really find it hard to believe there's some algorithm that they're using to say 11 seeds and 16s are the way to go. I think they're trying to yeah. use a, a marketing scheme as opposed uh, to what makes sense. Because I think they'll get pushed and, back uh, from the power from the power co- uh, conferences. And part of the reason why I brought it up is because it seems like no matter what happens, we always end up with the, the, the two obligatory black conference champions playing in the game so it's like they're gonna I mean true enough they they end up losing in that first the true first round game but that's the tournament for a lot of us we still view the Thursday and Friday games as the start of the tournament not these Tuesday and Wednesday games so give these guys the joy and the 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 feeling of playing in the in the real tournament. This is some trash. And it's like, you just, you're you're sticking it to the black college teams unfairly. Mm-hmm. And we saw how, whether it was Hampton uh, against Iowa State, Norfolk State, we've seen these HBCU teams as 15 seeds upset number two seeds. So don't try to tell me that they, they're not better teams. But then I guess on, on the flip side, when you look at it, okay, if a 16 and 15 uh, Howard team makes the tournament because they won their conference, yeah, they should be it. But if you have a a Texas Southern team that won 20 games, that won 20 and lost like 10 and, and good games in the non-conference, there's no reason why they should be a 16 team. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they have to find a way, a better way. To, to make that happen. So people, as you listen to this, listen to our picks. Don't if if you're in the sports Q and Q and A bracket challenge, don't mimic our picks because we'll just be doing the same thing. But make sure you check us out. Follow us on Instagram sports underscore Q A, Facebook page sports Q and A, Twitter sports underscore Q A, also sports underscore uh, uh, underscore Q A underscore preps. Uh, our website, www.sportsqanda.com. And make sure you subscribe. Uh, you subscribe via Anchor, uh, Apple. Uh, you can subscribe through Spotify. And there's up to 10 different ways that you can follow our podcast. So make sure you follow it. And good luck on your brackets, unless you're in the same bracket with us, especially the paid ones. Right. So with that, folks. We are out. We will check out, uh, check up with you all next week. Peace. Peace.